I don't care if they're a pilot or a surgeon or if they work in environmental services or somewhere, I, it doesn't matter. Everybody wants to be seen and they want to be seen for what they contribute. What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. Make sure you're subscribed so you can hear more from awesome leaders around the world on the effect that leadership has on the employee experience. When you think of organizations with some of the best employee experiences, what companies come to mind? For me personally, it's Southwest. They lead from the heart so well that they made it their logo. Today's guest actually worked as an executive at Southwest Airlines and was most recently a VP for University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. Cynthia Williams-Young has been described as an amazing leader who leads from the heart, is courageous, well-respected, and one of the kindest people you will ever meet. And now that I've had a couple conversations with her, I can absolutely say that that is true. I cannot wait for you to hear the amazing stories about Cynthia's work, so please put your tray tables in the upright position and get ready for takeoff. Hey, Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you. Hey, Chris, it's great to be here. Thanks. Well, first off, I want to start off with some praise from Dana Williams, who shared with you that uh, shared with me about how Cynthia is smart, witty, personable, and a great connector. I have known her since college and worked with her at Southwest. Whoever gets Cynthia on her team gets a rare gem. And I truly do believe that you are a rare gem because you are doing some amazing work um, around culture, around leading people first. So to kick it off, what does it mean to you to lead people first? Um, it's just so self-explanatory. I mean, you can have a great business plan, but if you cannot lead people first, you're not going to get anywhere. And every situation where I've been involved in culture, and I don't mean driving it, I mean learning about it, and then later driving it, um, I saw just the value of having, um, not requiring, but inviting people to bring their whole self to work and be who they are and contribute in their ways. Um, I, I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how you operate a successful business or um, healthcare site without a robust, positive culture. Yeah. I, and it's so important to try to create that culture that does allow people to bring their whole selves to work. I mean, you even contributed to an ebook called Why Company Culture Matters, and you wrote how important recognition is, not just from a sense of accomplishment, achievement, or like hitting a milestone, but recognizing the individual person as themselves and bringing the whole self, their whole selves to work. So what are some ways that you like to truly, you personally like to truly show someone that you recognize them as a whole? Um, so first of all, I, I know this sounds anachronistic, but I, there's nothing like a handwritten note to somebody. Um, I do this verbally as well, because I think there's research now showing that um, micro recognition is as valuable as an award. Um, so when I see somebody doing something really well, and they don't have to be on my team, like I'm in and out of um, units at our hospital, and um, I'll just comment on what I saw a nurse do or how, how I saw somebody, a therapist, interacting with a family and how proud that made me to be part of an operation where that kind of compassion and skill come together. And um, 
that goes a long way. People want, everybody wants to be seen, don't they? Um, and they want to be seen for what they contribute. So I um, do that verbally and I do a lot of notes and um, they don't have to be long. Um, they can just be super fast, but there is something about getting a handwritten note. I don't know if you can remember the last time you got one, but when some piece of paper shows up in your mailbox and it's from the heart, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think I'm lucky. I have, um, you know, having done this podcast, I've had a lot of people who share that sentiment and they have sent me cards and letters just as a thank you. And I love those. I mean, all of those, I, I definitely save. I mean, I, I experienced that as well. Um, during my time at Starbucks is when we had recognition cards, I, I keep forgetting the name of them, but they had our values on them. Yes. They had the company values on them and you would write a note to someone and show how they exhibited that value. And people held on to those, like, yes, it, like, it, and it means so much to them because it shows that they someone took the time to recognize them. Exactly. Yeah. That's just crucial to making. I think what it does is, and not in a manipulative way, but it hooks people into the mission. Um, you're part of something that's greater and bigger than yourself. And the vast majority of people want that. Um, there are people who have no interest in that, but um, I don't know that I've met one yet. I'm sure there's one that I've <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, it leaves a lasting impression and that um, it's all about those relationships that we build, right? I know that that's something that we'll, we'll get into, but I want to jump into another um, piece of praise from Anjali Matthews, who said, Cynthia is the type of executive who leaves a lasting impression because she is the definition of exceptional leadership in action. She is a leader who forges connections on a highly, as a highly skilled communicator, her passion for developing the kind of employee experience and culture that drives excellence, inspires, and instills confidence in others. So when we look at that impression that you leave, you clearly do leave that, and your focus as a leader is, is very apparent. And you learned a lot of these leadership lessons starting from when you were a child with a dad. You, you had told me a couple of stories about those leadership lessons he taught you when you were a child, and your father was in the Air Force. So what yes. are some of the biggest lessons of leadership he taught you? Um, that really stuck out to you? And how did that influence your views and approach on leadership now as an adult? So, um, yeah, he was a pilot, a career military pilot, and he um, led, he was my first servant leadership model. I didn't know at the time that that's what I was looking at, but I knew that he was, um, he was at the same time um, gentle and I, I don't want to say demanding, but at home, he expected certain things. And we wanted to meet the bar that he set because we respected him so much and we knew that he cared about us, um, well, that he loved us. And so I found out later um, in meeting some of the pilots who flew under his command, he was the squadron commander at um, McCord, at the time McCord Air Force Base, now I think it's a joint base with an army post. Um, but. Um, my sister and I both were in the airline industry. She was at a competitor. She was at American and I was at Southwest Airlines. And um, we met pilots who flew for him. And one of them told my sister this, this story. And she said, um, he told me, tell your dad that he ruined my life. And, and when she's telling me this, we were both <laughs> aghast, just aghast. And, and um, 
she said, why? And he said, well, because I loved flying for him. And I was at the pre at each of my children's births. I was present there because your father took my trips um, and he wanted me to be home for the births of those children. And so I re-upped and he said, then your dad was transferred. And I found out I only loved your dad. I actually hated the Air Force. <laughs> and <he> said, so <laughs> I was there for another few years. And then um, I met a pilot who did not fly for him, but knew of him. And he said, I always wanted to be transferred into his squadron because he was known for um, lifting people up when there was praise. He would put them out in front of himself. And when there was um, not so happy news, <laughs> um, he would put them behind him and step out in front to take um, whatever that unhappy news was. And he said to me, to everybody who knew anything about how he ran his operation, um, we knew he had built, and this was a pilot I knew at Southwest, and he said he had built there the kind of culture that we have here, which is we're all in this together, and there's no question that I'm your leader, but I'm not your leader because of what's on my shoulders. It's not my rank. Um, in fact, my dad once told me, he pointed to his um, epaulets, and he said, anytime you see somebody who leads because of this, they're not leading, they're scaring people. And that only lasts for so long before they figure out a way to pants you in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always remembered that. He said, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Yeah, well, I think that's such a good way to show how, um, how leadership truly does uplift people. And clearly your dad did that. Um, and, when we look at how that transfers into organizations and businesses, I mean, again, you need leaders who are going to uplift those. They're going to put their team on a pedestal to, to praise them and to show the work that they're doing, as well as, again, recognizing what is important in their team's lives and helping their team members and their employees be present for those moments, right? Mm -hmm. It may not be, you know, you know, it could be family. It could be, you know, a hobby that they, mm -hmm. that they love doing. Um, maybe they won a scholarship or their child won a scholarship or they won a, I don't know, like a sporting event or something, but allowing those, your team to be present for those uh, moments is very important. Right. Actually, one of my favorite assignments throughout my entire career was the creation of a department at Southwest Airlines called Internal Customer Care. And that's exactly what we did for Colleen Barrett. And um, at the time, Gary Kelly, Colleen was president, Gary was CEO. And I had a staff of six and we basically took care of the family of Southwest. And at the time that was about 35 to 37,000 people all across the country. And, you know, when you mention, mention a hobby or a sporting event or scholarship, that's what brought this to mind. We um, created a website where um, the admins in each location, whether they were in New York or you know, Fort Lauderdale or Seattle, wherever, they would go on every morning and tell us about life events. Um, like so-and-so broke his leg skiing over the weekend or so-and-so's dad died or so-and-so had a baby or um, they got their masters or whatever. And 
we would then um, draft a note for the executives to personally see and sign. And those went out hard copy, of course. <laughs> so they got a signed note. <laughs> Um, and then sometimes we would get really sad news, like somebody's child has um, leukemia, and we would do what we called open a case. And that's because prior to being at Southwest, I had been um, a caseworker at Child Protective Services. So the world of opening a case and following someone's progress to healing was in my head. So that's the model that we used. And I would assign these cases to my team and they would um, check in once a month with that person. Like, how is the chemo going? Do you understand your benefits? Do you have any questions about your leave? That kind of thing. Um, and then the month, the next month they would get a card and every other month there would be some kind of contact, but every other month it was on the phone. Um, and I, I had trained the staff. If somebody says, for instance, um, no, I don't understand what's going on because last month this drug was approved and this month it's not on the whatever. And they meant formulary, of course. So we would ask their permission to do a three-way call with our um, insurance provider and get their questions answered to their satisfaction. So we kind of saw ourselves as the mom <laughs> of the company and an ombudsman kind of, you know, advocating yeah. for people. And it was very satisfying um, and if I have time just to tell a quick story yeah, about course. the results of that, um, we had one situation where a woman called in to me and she said, I've, I'm the wife of a pilot. Um, we live, they were at a base on the East Coast. And she said, um, I just returned from my six week postpartum visit. She said, I just had our third little boy and um, they were all under five, I think five, three and newborn. And she said, and I found out that I have stage four lung cancer. What I thought was allergies, this little cough I've had, she said, I have terminal cancer. And, um, you know, of course I expressed sympathy and asked how we could help. And she said, well, my husband doesn't know this yet. And I don't want to tell him until I've got some questions that I have answered. So can you um, send someone to me? to help me with, I've got benefits questions and all kinds of things. And I also need to hire a nanny for our boys um, so that he doesn't, my husband doesn't have to worry about their care when I'm gone. He'll be comfortable with this person. And of course, I mean, it was heartbreaking, but um, I, I assigned the case and um, my one of my teammates went out there and um, they hired a nanny. They interviewed lots of people. The husband was on a series of trips and this happened while he was gone. And before um, my person left, she handed this woman a folder and she said, here's everything we've gone over. Here's a tab for benefits. Here's my number here, you know, all of these things. And um, she said, thanks. And so they parted ways. And um, that person, that, uh, that wife, lived another about four months and she was gone. And um, I saw that pilot in an airport about, gosh, it was probably two or three years later because I had moved into another position and I was on the negotiating team. We were doing the pilot's contract and he pulled me into a crew lounge and he said, I want you to know something. He said, um, anybody that I fly with, every pilot in a crew lounge, every pilot in a cockpit, I tell them 
how we were cared for through my wife's illness and even at her funeral, your team came to the funeral because we, I mean, we, these were like family. And um, he said, I tell everybody when they say final and best, it's final and best because that's who this company is. They really do care about us. And um, I thought later, I was talking to one of the um, pilot leaders and I said, it's not, in fact, I was talking to the chief pilot. I said, it's not that we do this for that reason, but it's the natural result of doing this. When you um, show people your heart, you're more likely to have buy-in when it matters. And I don't mean so that you can harm somebody with that vulnerability. I mean, because you're on the same team. Yeah, the it's such a touching story. And the thing that I think there's a, a, a number of things that really jump out to me about why I love that story. The thing that I want, one is you, you didn't do it for just an employee. You did it for the people the employee loved, right? right. It's not, right. it's not like it was like, Hey, an employee has an issue. Let's go help the employee. It's like, Nope. The benefits extended beyond just the employee. It extended to their family. And in, in that case, it shows again, like you said, the family, the employee that you do truly care about them because you are caring for those around them. And again, right. going back to what we said earlier, caring, caring for what the employee cares about. Right. And the other is really, you know, treating your employees like your best customers. I mean, I think that's one of the most amazing things that you, you did in, in HR is treating them like a customer right. and your best customer because I believe that as well is that your employees are your, your most important clients that you need to ca- take care of. And so there's, there's a lot of benefits to that and having that mindset. And the thing that I kind of keep, you know, hitting my head against the wall with is how do we change organization and leaders mindsets to treat their employees like their best clients rather than someone that they just manage? Um. I, I think that they've got to hear stories like this. They've got to look at, I mean, everybody has, Southwest Airlines has been a case study for how long? Forever. Um, so I don't know if just reading about it, you know, people will say, oh, that worked there, but it wouldn't work here because fill in the blank um, cost or we couldn't get everybody on board or whatever. I will say this, it has to be top down. I mean, people at the top have to buy into this or it isn't going to happen because a culture initiative, um, internal customer care, which is just so important um, to that kind of culture, that's the first thing that gets swept away in a budget cut in some places because they see it as a nice to. At Southwest and in the places I've been since then, we saw it as a have to. You have to take care of, equip and empower and inspire your internal customer. That's your face. Why would you not wash your face and maybe put on a <laughs> lip and a little bit of mascara? I mean, before you go face your external customer. <laughs> that's a great analogy. That That's a really great analogy because yes, the, the employees are the face of the company, no matter what role they have. They don't have to be in sales. They don't have to be in customer service, but they represent the organization. So you want to take care of that representation. And I think, um, again, your, your leadership is really uh, 
is really proven there when you really think about servant leadership. And that's what Diane Morton had to say as well, where she said, I am so grateful to have had the opportunity of working under Cynthia's direction in the HR department at Southwest Airlines. She is the epitome of everything Southwest is, Southwest is about, a warrior spirit, a servant's heart, and a loving attitude. So okay. when we, you know, sticking on Southwest for just one more moment, sure. I know that you constantly get asked the questions because, because you worked with uh, Herb Kelleher. Um, you know, I'm not going to ask the usual, like, what was he like? Because I think <laughs> we all know what he was like at, <laughs> at this point. But I want to know, you know, what was a moment that stuck out to you or an interaction that you may have had with him that gave you confidence as a people first leader that really kind of bolstered your own uh, mental state and saying, yes, this is the right thing I should be doing. Oh gosh. Well, there were tons of them, Um, but maybe the main thing, and it wouldn't be just one instance, but I saw him deal with leaders. I was in the room one time when he told a senior leader, you are, consumed, I I want to get this correct, you are consumed by how you look and not how you serve. And he was, he, it was very, it was firm. um, But it he was talking about, and he wasn't just nailing that one person in front of other people. He was talking about how a leadership group was more concerned with how they appeared, um, what kind of leader they looked like, instead of being the kind of leader that we needed. Um, so there was that. And then his, his legacy was just, he would hire people who thought the same way he and Colleen did. Colleen Barrett was really, um, she was the mom of the company and she, she's the one who asked me to create that internal customer care area. And she and Herb saw eye to eye on, um, the importance of being honest, the importance of um, transparency and all those things that matter in a healthy culture. Um, So when, for instance, when I was working with the um, negotiating team for that pilot's contract, um, we put um, a proposal across the table and their team looked at it and they said, okay, you we're we're okay with that. You can have a TA on that. And, I looked at our leader and he looked at me, there were several of us exchanging glances and the guy, um, Joe Harris, who was my boss at the time, he said, time out, time out, we need to break for a minute. We went out in the hall and talked and he said, they didn't understand what we just slid across the table to them. They would never have have approved that. Mm -hmm. And he said, we can't let that stand. That's not right. And so we had an attorney there who was a contract attorney in from Washington to help with this. And he goes, Hey, if they TA'd it, that's their problem. And, and Joe, Joe goes, no, if they TA'd it and find out later that we took it, knowing they didn't get it, that's our problem. He goes, we don't operate that way. So we went back in and Joe said, hey, did you think we said blah, blah, blah? Because what we meant was blah, blah, blah. And they went, oh, no, you don't have a TA on that. And the attorney from Washington just went, oh. Jeez. Um, he said, you know, this is going to add another however long to this negotiation. And Joe said, yeah, you won't be here for the downstream effect if we let that go. But we will. Plus, I couldn't sleep at night. And that's how they operated. That's how her. That's what he insisted on was that kind of integrity. Yeah, that was exactly that came, what came to mind was integrity. Yes. Right? Is 
knowing what's understanding what your team or the other person on the other side of the table is looking for and not taking advantage of, uh, you know, uh, uh, when they glance over something or misunderstand something again, it's doing the right thing all the time, not just when it happens to work out for you or make you look good or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was the same person, you know, you said, you're not going to ask what he's like, because I think we know what he's like. You do know what he's like, because he was no different behind closed doors than he was in the public eye. He was, um, he was a man of integrity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, his, his work, um, his work and his personality has been, um, covered quite extensively and he is just an amazing person. I, I, you know, I wish we had more of him in this world because don't we all, (laughs) well, your work has taken you from, you know, all the way from teaching and like you said, protective services, Southwest, one of the most loved airlines, my own personal favorite, right. To an (laughs) energy organization and now a healthcare organization, Mm -hmm. um, as a leader, I'm curious, what were the differences adjusting from organization to organization that were in completely different industries, did completely different work? Like, what was the difference? Was it the industry, the people, the culture, a combination, or something completely else? And what did you learn from switching those industries? Well, I think it's everything that you just said. There are changes from industry to industry, but, um, you know, do you ever enjoy watching The Office reruns? Yeah. (laughs) And my my wife loves it. So yeah, (laughs) I love it too. And I'll tell you why everybody loves it because you know, every one of those people, you have worked with one of them at some time or another. It doesn't matter that they were in the paper industry or that Southwest was an airline or now I'm in healthcare or energy. You have the same cast of characters almost always. Um, The only difference is how their strengths and weaknesses are handled. And so when I went into healthcare, um, I served in a chief of staff type role with um, Dr. John Warner, who at the time was the CEO of the healthcare of the um, hospitals. Now he's the EVP over the entire health system. He's a brilliant, just a remarkable man. And he said, when I first got there, um, you know, it's not the same as it was at Southwest and doctors are different and surgeons are different. And I said, you know, I've worked with pilots. I was raised by a pilot. And I think I've shared with you, Chris, my favorite joke about pilots is what's the difference between God and a pilot? God doesn't think he can fly. And so (laughs) I said, so what's the difference between God and a surgeon? God doesn't have to scrub in. (laughs) So um, that's really people are people and there are phenotypes that you see again and again. And the question is, how do you lead those people to the most productive, to their most productive selves? And um, the themes are just the same. And everybody, I don't care if they're a pilot or a surgeon or if they work in environmental services or somewhere, it doesn't matter. Everybody wants to be seen. They may not want to be lauded in public. They may not want to make a speech, but they want to know that what they do matters. And so as a leader, your job is to be sure people get, okay, here's your gear in the machine and it's hooked to this one. And if you slip a cog, then this happens way over here where you can't Mm -hmm. even see the result. Um, 
so that's critical and that's all part of culture. It's operational, but it's culture. Those can't be divorced. Yeah. Helping someone see their, their role and their purpose within an organization. Right. And I know that that's something you've talked about before and written about before, but um, just to cover it real quick, I mean, that, that helps them understand and gives them that higher purpose. It's more than just them and their work. Right. For example, when I was at um, a healthcare tech startup a number of years back, the engineers, the software engineers were so disconnected from the process because again, all they're doing is coding. Right. And they didn't under, they didn't truly understand the impact that they were having on the patients that we were taking care of. And so we made it a point to create a program to help them see and create these patient stories Mm -hmm. on the impact. And we specifically tried to show them and showcase the work that they were doing. What was the, what were the things that they were doing on the software side, on the, on the platform side that was making it easy for those patients. So they could very clearly see like, Oh, that is something I worked on that I coded. And that is the result. I changed that life. Right. Yeah, it matters. People have to see. And sometimes that means a field trip. Like at Southwest, we would have leaders in the field. They would, uh, leaders from headquarters would be assigned a certain number of um, bases or um, stations. And you would go out and sit and talk with people, go out on the ramp. A part of my time at Southwest, I was actually responsible for half of the freight system. Um, and I had sales reps. Um, Um, who reported to me. I started as a sales rep and then had the Western half of the system. I spent a lot of time in ramp break rooms and out on the ramp because those guys understood our business. They knew our business. And um, I was out there one time and this guy picked up a box and he goes, do you see this? And I said, it's a box. And he goes, watch this. And he tossed it up in the air and caught it on his finger and started spinning it like a basketball. (laughs) And I said, what's your point? And he goes, it's light. And it's taking up a huge amount of space in my bin. Why are you not getting dimensional weight pricing on this? Because you can, there are swimsuits in here. They don't weigh that much. Now in the winter, he sends coats because it was an apparel manufacturer here in Dallas. He goes, that's fine. But in the summer, you need to be dimming this guy out. This is my profit sharing we're talking about here. And and I had no idea till he told me that. And so if you've got to get people connected with what is the result of what they're doing? And for leaders, sometimes that's humbling because I would say, you know what, go do, um, do the job beside the um, nutrition services people. What is it like for them? Do they have enough staff down there? How do you know? Because their boss said so? No, he's trying to please you because he's got headcount under control. Go have a look. Yeah. Um, you know, skip level meetings, all of that. Well, having that um, kind of cross-functional learning happen is something mm-hmm. that is so important. Again, that's something that we don't, a lot of people and even great leaders sometimes forget is that what is it like to live in that person's shoes for a moment? What is it like for them? And you've written about how everything, right? Happiness in a relationship, sustainable business success is all dependent on the relationships that we make and the desire to understand that perspective of others. 
So based on your experience, I mean, what's stopping leaders from understanding their teams, understanding their colleagues, you know, who might be on a separate level, but in a different part of the organization? And how can we truly get them to value and invest in those relationships? I think um, first, sometimes people have to see that model. So if you haven't ever seen that it's... um, that it's not only doable, it's preferable and it's, and it can be enjoyable by the way, um, then it's hard for you to imagine yourself doing it. Um, Some people, as I said, they need to humble themselves and admit, I don't know everything about this. I think I do. And I think I'm getting great information, but maybe I'm not. And I don't mean through anybody's deception. I'm, I I was talking to, well, I was talking to Gary Kelly one time about an issue that was going on on the ramp. And he, and he said, why is, why am I not hearing about this? Why am I just now hearing about this? Mm -hmm. And I said, because from that agent, there is um, an assistant supervisor, a supervisor, an assistant station manager, a station manager, an assistant director, a director, a VP, and a senior VP. Somewhere in those eight levels, his message got lost. <laughs> so, um, and I don't mean on purpose even, I'm just saying it just didn't carry the weight all the way through eight levels. Yeah. And that's why it, he saw how important, I don't mean that opened his eyes to it. He was already doing it, but he saw the importance as did Herb of going out in the field and getting with people on the ramp, flying a flight with um, flight attendants, having them sit down on the jump seat with you and tell you what's your absolute worst nightmare about this job. What could we do to fix it? Um, but it does take a certain amount of humility to say, I may not know everything I thought I knew. Yeah. Having that humility to, to really say, you know, admit that and say, I don't know. Um, but I'm being, I'm willing to find out and learn. It makes a huge impact. And that also shows, you know, I want to say something from Larry Peters who shared Cynthia is not only a strong advocate of people-centered cultures and servant leadership, but she lived those words. She understands what is possible when leaders bring out the best in the people they support. And when you support your team and you, again, you sit down with them, again, it shows that you care. It shows that you're willing to, to help. And not only are you building that relationship, but at the same time you are, like you shared in your story, you're figuring out issues that you may not have known about because of all the various, you know, levels or filters that it has to go through and going in and sitting and say, what is the problem? What is it that you're dealing with? Because then you're actually, you're doing two things at once. You're solving a business problem. And at the same time, you're, you're building a relationship and gaining loyalty from those employees. Exactly. And you're also giving yourself the opportunity to say, I hear you. I wish I could fix this. I can't do what you want me to. And here's why. And and then you've shut down the rumor mill or you've stopped the, especially if you're doing it in a setting like in a break room where the other agents are sitting around hearing it as well. Um, because then it cannot be said he or she didn't want to hear me. No, I heard you. I value that. And I wish I could do it that way. Here's why we can't. What's a way that we can meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. Um And that is so valuable. And I will say this, and I think this is critically important to companies who are doing like um, employee experience surveys and satisfaction surveys. 
stop it. If you don't intend to take decisive action that is visible to people and that is connected, intentionally connected back, you said this, we're doing that. You said this, we can't do that, but we can do this. Does this work? If you're not doing that, stop it because nothing is so insulting or demoralizing than being asked for your opinion and learning that it didn't matter at all. Yeah. It's perfunctory. Yeah. Or putting band-aids on it. Right. And I know that yes. that's something you've written about it too. Um, and that's something that has, that's something that's annoyed me here in Silicon Valley. Right. Like let's get, you know, and this has been written about by so many people about, you know, the foosball tables, the, the yes. beer on tap, all of that. And, but what I loved about what you said is how part of our work around culture is to make sure that leaders don't just throw candy off the float and expect yeah. it to be enough for people. What is, yeah. I, I love to hear what are some of the most like ridiculous candy that you've seen <laughs> tossed at employees? <laughs> and um, it, yeah, it is just, it, well, it is just those kinds of things like, Hey, let's have a party. Um, let's have a quarterly luncheon. Let's, and honestly, it depends on the environment and what you're trying to do, but most people don't want to have a quarterly luncheon. They want you to fix their issue and commend them when they bring you a business solution, like the guy on the ramp. Not only was he, he was annoyed by that thing, but he wanted us to make more money. Um, so people want, it goes back to that thing about what is it that I'm doing that matters? And if I don't know, then why should I keep doing it? And so I think when you try to appease people with a party or a luncheon or whatever, um, they know what you're doing, you know, that doesn't help anything. Now I'm not saying don't feed people because I will say the other thing I would do on the ramp, I used to get snow cone machines and go down on the ramp and feed my guys snow cones on hot mm-hmm. days. <laughs> yep. um, but it was not trying to, it, it was fun. Plus I liked making snow cones. So it was fun. <laughs> I, w- I wish I had you as a, as a leader when I worked for uh, uh, Southwest Airlines. I mean, man, Phoenix 115 on the ramp. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Seriously. I don't know how they do it. I mean, luckily I wasn't based there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But still having to go there for training and, and be on the ramp on those days was brutal. Was- it is. It is. <laughs> Why I always wanted to do whatever I could that they wanted. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I know that one of the topics that you wanted to really cover was, you know, the events that we've seen in this last year and, how a good plan is just a plan until it gets hit with reality. And as everyone knows, this last year has been a crazy dose of reality with everything that's happened Um, Mm -hmm. and how culture will show up and help keep things together and even enhance the organization. So what have you seen this last year that really bolsters a culture when crisis hits? Well, I, I couldn't be any prouder of my association with UT Southwestern because I really do believe, first of all, the profession of healing draws people who are, um, most people who are altruistic. They want to make a real difference in the lives of others. And, and I've seen that on display from the minute this began. Um, it, it also doesn't hurt when those people know that their leaders value them. And um, almost immediately, Dr. Warner started doing video messaging, which was something that had been kind of in the works, but this forced a quick um, spin up of that. And people responded to that because 
It was their senior most leader, except for our, uh, the president, Dr. Podolsky, who also did, um, he did audio messaging and update once a week that's now every other week. Um, but for people to hear from their leaders and to take questions, all comers were invited. You could either send a question in or you could be on the call and ask the question. There was no filter. There was no, we're not answering that or um, that's secret or, you know, it was totally authentic and transparent and people left there thinking, all right, I know what I need to know and I'm equipped. Um, that's when the rubber hits the road because if you have not equipped people or they feel like you're holding out on them, um, they, and in this case, they might not even feel safe to do their work, mm -hmm. but they were assured of their safety and of um, their leader's concern for them and for patients. And it was just a beautiful thing to, to observe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a own, my own kind of personal theory and I'm, I think a number of people have written about it as well, but that's safety at work, not just from a psychological standpoint, but knowing that you are being taken care of yes. and that your leaders and your organizations are there willing to take care of you and make sure that you're going to be safe mentally, physically, you know, financially, all of those, all of everything. Yes. Again, that takes that out of their mind and allows them to truly focus on their work exactly. and they end up doing better work because again, they're not thinking about, Oh my gosh, like, am I going to be safe? Am I going to have to worry about my family and take getting sick and bringing it to right. my family or whatever it might be. So, yeah, exactly. And I think from the beginning, there was a sense of, um, of honoring those who were caring for people and those who were supporting them. And um, one of the things that Dr. Warner asked us to do early on, I mean, back like in, in March, um, was the creation of lawn signs that um, they looked like a coloring book page that said, um, healthcare hero lives here. And the idea was they were issued to anybody who wanted one or more, whatever. And they took them home and had their kids color them mm -hmm. and then put them out in the yard. And we got so many pictures of kids at the dining room table, you know, coloring these things. They were so proud of what their parents were doing. And then um, pictures of families around those signs out in the yard. And it just it was a way, you know, having grown up in the military, I've watched a lot of saluting going on. But to me, that was our senior leaders saluting the people on the front lines going, yeah, we see you, we value you. And by the way, your family too. Yeah, that's, that's such a touching way to do it. That's more than just, again, sending a, a generic card or doing something like that. Again, it's, it's personalizing it and connecting it and helping your team or your employees see beyond just the work. It's you helped connect it to, again, their family and the, their community as well. I mean, that's such, that's absolutely brilliant. I love that. It was, it was fun to be part of that. So one, uh, one quick last question that I like to ask my guests, what is the impact that you, Cynthia, are looking to leave when you lead others? Um, so I want, I want them to, um, the impact I want to leave, I want them to feel empowered and I want them to um, feel respected and um, 
and to the extent possible and necessary protected. You know, to my father's style of leadership, if there's blame to be taken, I will get between my people and that blame. That's mine. Um, and I'll tell you one really quick story. One of my dad's pilots taxied an aircraft into a maintenance hangar and didn't realize that they hadn't opened the highest doors so that the tail, and it was a C-141, a huge, huge transport plane, and the tail broke off because he hit that. And, <laughs> and it went into my dad's record. And I said to my father, I said, that is so unfair. And he said, no. He said, it's my fault. I obviously didn't have him trained well enough. He said, ultimately, that's that's on me. And um, I mean, the guy was obviously spoken to, but but that's how I want my people to know that they are trained, they are equipped. Um, and if I'm not giving you what you need, tell me, because I'm totally open to that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very different way of looking at training than I think a lot of managers look at training nowadays <laughs> and learning. That's, a, that's very refreshing to hear from your dad. And I know your dad was an amazing, amazing man. Very, very well respected, very well loved. He did clearly, he, he did an amazing job, um, but not just with you, but just with the lives that he touched and all of the, the people that he's touched. Thank you for that. So, before we head out, before we leave, um, I want to share one more little bit of praise that I have from Rob Olahu. Oh, Rob, Rob Olahu. Yeah, he was Olahu. at Starbucks and yeah. bowling. <laughs> yeah, oh, Rob. And uh, he said, Cynthia is a savvy leader who can expertly understand and navigate an organization. She has a strong sense of culture and authentically brings it to life at every turn. I learned so much from her that I have taken with me throughout my career. Her superpowers are her brain, her heart, and her sense of humor. In oh. short, she's an all-around good human, and I'm fortunate to have worked with her and still call her a friend. So oh. when we look at, again, when we look at uh, the impact that you've had, you're clearly leaving that impact um, on people, and you're, you really are empowering them and building those amazing relationships. And you are about to embark on a new journey. So where can people, A, where can people connect with you? And B, what is this new venture that you're starting? Um, oh, thank you so much for that. Um, so yeah, I retired this past week from UT Southwestern, and I am working with a friend and partner on um, a new venture that really is going to be, um, we want to launch a service that is aimed at helping people build and nourish um, a positive culture. And the things that we've talked about here, obviously, I could talk for days and days. My husband will <laughs> attest to that. Um, but when you do this work and you do it with the right heart, you can attract and retain the very best talent because they're not going to leave because they're part of something so important. And so um, that's my next venture. And um, it's in the very nascent stages, but I've got a couple people on board and we're excited about it. So um Right now, the best place to connect with me is through LinkedIn, and I'm there as Cynthia Williams-Young, um, and I'm more than happy to talk with anybody about uh, questions they might have, or I, I'm not even talking about promoting this, this um, new brand, but just if I can help in any way. That's, um, I think I told you when we talked earlier, the common thread through all of my careers, whether it was teaching or social work or whatever I've done, it's been, I just have a passion for helping people. Um, and I know that sounds corny, but that's it. 
And so if I can do that, connect with me on LinkedIn and I'm more than happy to do what I can. Fantastic. Well, Cynthia, thank you again. I wish you the best. I'm, uh, with your new venture and I can't wait to see what comes of it. I'm going to be following very closely and reaching out uh, just to touch base. So (laughs) I appreciate it so much. You're very you again. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the leading people first podcast. I hope you've enjoyed hearing stories from a great people first leader who worked for a great people first organization. I love that Cynthia is so focused on recognizing and uplifting others in all of her work. So here is your reminder to send someone that note of recognition or gratitude. Don't worry, I will wait while you do that. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and click the share button to send it to someone who needs to hear more about Cynthia's work. And don't forget to follow Cynthia on LinkedIn, where I know she's going to be making waves in her next venture. Let's keep this conversation going by telling me what you learned or loved from this episode on LinkedIn or Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.